Welcome to episode 33 of Oscar Sunday. I'm Austin Johnson. I'm Connor Izagari. And today we will be talking about Gaslight from 1944, which is Ingrid Bergman's first Oscar win. She has a long history of pure dominance when she was uh, in her prime, which lasted a very long time. We are going to be talking about her at great length today, including Gaslight, which is an awesome film that I saw for the first time. How about you, Connor? Yeah, this was my first time as well. I've heard of this for quite a long time. Ingrid Bergman's an actress I've kind of always wanted to dig into, but never really done. Yeah, yeah, same. Uh, Ingrid is someone that I really had no knowledge of except for Casablanca, right? 1942. Of course, a movie that you should just see. It's really worth it. (laughs) It totally is worth, you know, the all the praise and the critical acclaim and it's, it's lasted for eight years because it's really good. And, you know, she wasn't nominated for that. And she's always been on, you know, in the back of my mind. Uh, And I think we feel the same way about her in that regard. And with this show just gives us a reason to shout out these kind of people, um, these kind of performers. Uh, But Gaslight, you know, has some, some cool stuff going on. First off, it has seven total nominations at the 17th Academy Awards. You have Ingrid uh, winning for Best Actress and you have it winning uh, Best Art Direction. Now, you also have, working alongside her, you have Charles Boyer, who is another guy who's decorated from the Oscars, I believe has five nominations altogether and one win for My Fair Lady. Um, sorry, sorry, that's the director. I'm very sorry. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> that's, that, that's, that's George Cukor, the, the director. I'm sorry. Charles Boyer, I'm not sure how many he has. I, the director has five nominations and the one win for My Fair Lady. Uh, but Charles Boyer, off the top of my head, let me look it up. Hold on one second. I don't know if you know, Connor. He has four nominations and one honorary award win. Okay, the honorary. That's one. Okay, yes. The honorary award is because uh, he, he's a French Frenchman, right? And he he did a lot for French cinema here in the United States as far as bringing it along and introducing folks to it, uh, you know, in the early stages, right? So I love that. I love that the Academy kind of recognized that, and that's really cool. Uh, there's been honorary awards for all kinds of stuff. Toy Story got one, <laughs> you know, for just being a, an incredible movie on the animation standpoint. Uh Let's bring up the director, George Cukor. This is a guy we have talked about on the show before because of My Fair Lady. When we did the Dr. Strangelove episode, of course, we brought up My Fair Lady, which won Best Picture. Uh, George Cukor won Best Director. And, you know, that film is, is, is good and all, but I think we both are huge, huge Dr. Strangelove fans. So it's kind of hard to <laughs> kind of hard to compare and differentiate. But Cukor is a guy, a guy you'll, you'll see pop up a lot here. In, in the old days. And these are people that you and I, um, like Mr. Zinneman, <laughs> these are guys that we're just kind of introducing ourselves to and really finding out that they were kind of the powerhouse directors of their time. So what else of his work do you know of? Uh, George Cooker? Yes. Um, the Philadelphia Story, which we of course, talked about when we did Great Dictator. So he's, yep. he's kind of been on the, on the outside of a lot of our episodes. Yes. And he is a very talented director. He's made some amazing films. Um, a Star is Born, 1954. That was him as well. Yes. Uh, so I've seen a lot more of his work than I thought, which is pretty cool. Yeah, no, it, it is cool. And that's, that's one of the things in the show. It's kind of creating a, a sort of canon for ourselves, our own fandom. We're kind of growing and learning about these guys without really even knowing it. Uh, Philadelphia Story, that's uh, Mr. Jimmy Stewart. And we, we got to talk about 
1940 films because of, um, <clears throat> like you said, The Great Dictator. And then we got to turn, uh, what's great about the show is we got to loop back around when we did the Henry Fonda show and watch Grapes of Wrath, which is also from 1940, from that group uh, with Rebecca and Philadelphia Story and The Great Dictator. Really cool year, you know, yeah. when, you, when, you, when you kind of stack all those together. So that's kind of what the show is all about, you know, is figuring out these people and uh, not making the mistake like I did of uh, Charles Boyer and George, <laughs> George Cukor's nominations. Uh, of, of these three people, I, I would say these are the three, you know, most decorated folks here uh, within, within Gaslight. Which of these three people do you want to continue looking into the most? Um, hmm, that's interesting because they all have something different to offer. Exactly. Yeah. Cooker, <laughs> uh, we've really gone into his, uh, we haven't really gone into it, but we've kind of, you know, teased his filmography a lot. Uh, yeah. Charles Boyer, I'm just learning about. Ingrid Bergman still stands as the one I'd like to get to know the most. I, yeah, I, th- I think, I think Boyer has, has kind of gone to a place in my mind of like, Oh, I see what people see what people are talking about a little bit. You know, he is, you, even when you just Google like classic actors, like his name's one of the ones that are going to kind of pop up along with Ingrid Bergman, but for, for, for male actors, um, he's a guy I, I knew nothing about man going into this movie. And, uh, you know, I know of some films he's in and, and whatnot, but I had no knowledge of his skill. And so his, his voice alone has an effect, a very similar effect that like Toshiro Mifune's voice has, you know, where you're just like, what the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> and I think you and I, you know, there's guys that we've grown up with watching that, that have that maybe we just are spoiled and we, you know, take it for granted and get used to it. But Boye is certainly a guy who, who screams, I, I am an actor and now I'm uh, similar to like Burt Lancaster and Elmer Gantry. Like, Oh, okay. I, this guy's clearly going for it. I, I want to see what else he can do. Um, but him and Ingrid for sure. George is a guy who's clearly just going to keep coming up without us even trying. <laughs> so I'm, I'm cool with that. I think he's, he's a decorated guy. And whenever we go back to these decades, he's just going to be there in these early stages of the, of the Academy Awards. There's, you and I have talked about how there's not a, a huge landscape. So you're choosing from sometimes the same guys over and over. Um, but that's not to say that gaslight doesn't have good stuff to offer. <laughs> yeah. I, I was, I was pretty, I was pretty, I was pretty blown away by, by some of the directing in this movie and most certainly the two performances. My goodness. Gaslight is a predecessor to so much. It, it's a very early lesson in psychological thriller i mean there's times of this film where you feel unsafe it really is amazing like this film in the midst of the Hayes code nonetheless was able to craft something original and mildly terrifying at times you really do think there's times when you think like she's losing her mind and like where do we go from here it's cool and her husband is such a great bad guy he's such a controlling manipulative psycho and you know that from the get-go you can feel that if you like just the, the way he lashes out randomly and then makes it look like it's her fault. These are things you would see in, you know, films across the landscape in every genre. And that is really cool. Like I've talked to many times on this show about how much I love pinpointing the source. And I think this is one of those times. Agreed. Agreed. And you and I, before we uh, started recording had talked about, 
kind of how, how powerful this, this movie was just, just on a foundational level. And then we mentioned how we both uh, knew about the 1940 British gaslight. And we mentioned how there's, there's like a lot of versions of this and there's not just a lot of versions of this movie, but like you said, there's a lot of things pulled from movies like this. Um, the forties have been very kind to us. <laughs> uh, I'll say on this show, we've been able to tackle a decade slowly, but surely. And we're going to keep going. Uh, you know, we're always going to be looping back around all these decades. And we, we love, we, we love going back to the thirties, forties, fifties, because that's where our knowledge lacks the most. And we want to learn. And we realized that on the show, maybe, maybe we shouldn't be doing an Ingrid Bergman episode because we haven't seen all of her movies, but this is a journey. It's a journey about trying to watch all of those and, and documenting it. And for you and I, that that's kind of what it's all about because when you come back on the other end, you get a movie like Gaslight. That's that, that two hours is really what we're living for. So <laughs> that's what we're going for here. So I was, I was very, very grateful again to have watched a really solid movie because we, you know, we've gotten to do the great dictator. Um, Hamlet gave us the red shoes and Johnny Belinda and snake pit and treasure. They say our Madre and, We've, we've done some cool stuff, man. And very grateful. Not, not, we, we already mentioned 1940, how strong of a year that is. Uh, already said the great dictator, but uh, Rebecca, you know, the grapes of wrath. These are Philadelphia story. These are, these are, these are good films, you know, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I've been able to experience them. Not just, not just know about the titles, know about these, Oh, these classic actors. I'm trying to go through it and really, really experience it and figure out why they are looked at as classic actors. And, and for, in some cases I, I see why. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, it's not enough to be told these are the films that created modern cinema. I want to know why. And I want to see what exactly it is about these films. That's made them last, you know, 80 years. I mean, this is big, you know, that's big stuff to have that kind of a legacy is significant. And I want to know why. And with these films, you know, it's pretty easy to see why these are films that, introduced concepts that were kind of alien to cinema at the time and have since, you know, evolved into standard practice, but you want to know where this stuff came from. And we've seen so much on this show already of just where all this shit started and like gaslight, the term gaslighting was popularized by this movie. The term, you know, gaslighting for those of you who don't know is a psychological abuse where you like one person convinces the other person that they are crazy when in fact they're not crazy it's really fucked up and this movie is where that came from so that alone neat we're talking about oh for sure just just that term the term gaslighting and how it's evolved and what it is today <clears throat> what the word is today for sure i definitely definitely want to you know, try not to forget that. Have a conversation about that uh, as we dig more into the movie, because of course we're going to give awards out to Gaslight, uh, which was just a lot of fun. There's <laughs> there's some really good moments, and goddamn, the music is good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I do do want to do a little bit of uh, you know 17th Academy Awards talk. Want to go want to go into of course that that shows in 1945 talking about the 1944 films. Uh, neither of us really 
you know, dug into 1944, that we didn't really look at this movie in this week as that. Uh, we, we got a new show going, sneak preview. Um, you know, so we're going to be doing a new movie a week on that. And we got Filmgasm going, of course. And we got Oscar Sunday here. So <clears throat> we're trying to, you know, not watch fucking five movies a week every time for this show alone. Uh, but that's what we're always going to do for Best Picture Showdowns. Yeah. Uh, we have one coming up on episode 35, and that's going to be a lot of fun. And right now we're doing, we're already doing legwork for that show. Yeah. Uh, but but these, these other ones that are in between those, they're going to be more focused in on something specific. And in this case, it's Ingrid Bergman. And I, I totally understand why she's the person in this movie that you want to you look forward to most. Now, be, before we get to her, and I, I cannot wait, cannot wait to talk about her, the Swedish sensation, uh, Charles, Charles Boyer, the movies that I want to see, <clears throat> these Oscar-nominated movies are Conquest, don't know anything about it, Algiers, don't know anything about it, Gaslight, seen it, and Fanny. I know a little bit about Fanny. Um, those are the four nominations he has, so I've seen one, I want to see the other three, and then I want to dig into his, other, his, his career uh, further. Uh, those are the ones I'm going to start out with. I feel like that's been huge for me as a, as a movie fan and trying to watch stuff and pick things is, well, when you look at it all at once, it's a lot. It's intimidating. There's so much to get to. But I've found it personally, and I'm not saying this is for everybody, but personally I've found it, if you take Charles Boyer, for example, well, I've heard this guy's really good. How, how do I know where to begin? Well, I know the Oscars aren't you know, the best or anything, but you could start out with these because it's a small group. Start out with those. It's easy to tackle. You don't have to look at the entire filmography. Just focus in on those and then see from there what you want to do. And I think that's been a great way for me to kind of dig into people. And Ingrid Bergman, she's got, she, she's got, a, she's got a handful of nominations <laughs> and three wins. That's, that's special. That's special territory. You know, we've talked about Jack Nicholson a couple times on this show. That's a guy who's in that territory, has three wins on nine nominations. Um, or is it 12? I think it's 12, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's three, three wins, nine losses, I guess. He's three and nine. <laughs> uh, you know, Ingrid is in a special place because she is three on seven. And that is, that's not easy to do, you know, in any era, any decade. And I was able to watch a couple of the other ones aside from Gaslight, because uh, Gaslight's the first one. Uh, are, are there any others that you've seen? <laughs> I've seen uh, Murder on the Orient Express. I've seen that a couple times. Okay. <clears throat> 1974? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, we did Chinatown, so we got to talk about that just a little bit. It's definitely, I think at this point, uh, a tad underrated. Murder yeah. on the Orient Express? Oh, yeah, I, I, think, I think that one's actually, yeah, over time, and especially with the remake uh, from, what was that, 2017? Yeah. I think people, I think people forget that that one's actually pretty solid. Um, but let's, let's, let's go down the line here. Um, 1944, you have, that's, that's the show, because Gas, like, sorry, comes out in 1944, but 1943 is when this film comes out, For Whom the Bells Toll. Have not seen that one. I don't know much about it. Um, obviously, it's her first nomination, so I would, I would like to check it out at some point. Gaslight, she wins the next year. That's her first win. And then The Bells of St. Mary's, she's nominated for it the following year. So 
three years in a row. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I actually got to watch that one. That was that was on the Roku channel and Tubi, both for free. Uh, so I watched that pretty good. She's uh, alongside Bean Crosby in that one. Um, I, I think you would like it a lot, Connor. I think it's uh, a movie that's right up your alley. Reminded me of Boys Town a little bit. Interesting. Just a little, just a little bit. There's something about it. I, I think I think you should check it out. Uh, Ingrid is phenomenal in it. There's a particular scene I'll, I'll point out. I won't say too much about it because I really do think you'll like it. Um, I think... I think maybe you'll like it just as much as Gaslight, to be honest with you. But maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> uh, there is a scene, though, that I love with, with Ingrid that uh, I'll highlight. She um, is, I believe the, the boy's name is Eddie, I believe. And she's, she's teaching him some, uh, well, Bing Crosby is a, 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 you know, he's father O'Malley. And she's, she's one of the sisters, uh, Ingrid Bergman. And she's, you know, with one of these boys named, I think his name is Eddie. And she's teaching him how to fight, you know, and, and it, Ingrid has this, has this thing that I think I thought Meryl Streep only had until I watched Ingrid Bergman. You're like, Oh, she can like be, be really, really sweet for a split second. And then a second, she's like punching the air and is super animated and just getting after it and reminded me of, you know, there's been generations of actresses who just take it to the next level. And I think there's a couple scenes in that movie where she does, she does do that and is really going for it and really kind of pushing the craft for the time that it's in. And that's one of my favorite things about Ingrid, right? She, she's so damn talented in, in the way that Catherine Hepburn was so damn talented that she's going to push things by her, by the sheer weight of her, her skill. And I've been kind of moved by that, you know, as, as I've watched, watched her for the you know first time besides Casablanca this week. So uh, I, I really, really suggest that one to you, man. I think, I think you'll dig it. You have in uh, 1948, Joan of Arc. She's nominated for Best Actress. Uh, then in 1956, she's in Anastasia. She wins for Best Actress. Have not seen that. Have you seen that one? I have not, but I know that story and I really want to see that. Same man. That's honestly the top at, of my list of all of these, but I just, I just couldn't get to it. You know, <laughs> I, I think, I think I want to save it for its own episode for an, for another day. So, uh, and then, and then she, she wins again in the uh, 70s, 74, the one we already mentioned murder on the Orient express. And then her last nomination, which is a movie called autumn Sonata that is uh, on criterion right now. And I think it's also on, if I'm not mistaken, it's on Prime, I believe. I believe so. Now, this one, this one I was excited to talk about because this is Ingrid Bergman in the, the later stages of her career, right? And she uh, is acting alongside Liv Ullman, and this is a movie directed by Ingmar Bergman. And a lot of people get those two people confused. At least I did for the longest time. <laughs> Turns out, no relation. <laughs> not, 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 not at all. <laughs> <laughs> so uh ingmar bergman and liv ullman had a relationship uh and i believe they were married and liv ullman was in a in a lot of she was in a lot of his movies and i was uh pretty blown away by this one i i gave this one a uh four and a half stars on letterbox so that would that would be a nine over here 
on film gasm. I feel very strongly about autumn Sonata. Um, it's, it's a sweet Swedish movie. So, you know, that's the, the actual title I believe is, I don't know how to properly say it. I'm going to try to go for it. Hosta Nathan. I don't know. I'm not sure. That's just, that's my best guess. Sorry to all you Swedish folk out there. Uh, but I, pretty much fell in love with this movie like minutes and I could tell it's right up my alley. It's about a mother and daughter who are seeing each other for the first time in a while. And they definitely have some things to unpack between each other. And uh, Ingrid is great, but Liv Ullman, whew, I wasn't, you know, I'm watching for Ingrid, right. You know, and but I'm like, damn, Liv Ullman's going toe to toe. I now I got to watch Liv Ullman movies. What, what am I doing with my life? And that's, <laughs> Another thing that's beautiful about the show, I wasn't even, that's not even what I was doing. That's not even the homework I was doing. I was like, hey, I want to watch a couple extra movies that she's been nominated for, Ingrid, because Casablanca is not enough for me because she wasn't even nominated for that. And, you know, I had the week off of Filmgasm. So, and then I got this. And I tell you, man, you got to see this one too. <laughs> of course I do. I've got so much work to do with her. And, uh, a lot of these classic actors, you know, the show has really made me rediscover actors like, you know, Ingrid Bergman, Gary Cooper, Spencer Tracy, Jimmy Stewart to a bit larger extent. It's, it's really cool because these are actors I didn't grow up with, actors who were in films that I didn't know about. An entire 50 years of film that I just didn't, I was not exposed to. And so to discover them now in my 20s is really rewarding and it's just, yeah, it just gets better. And I, I 100% intend to pursue uh, Bergman's work. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah. So that, that's just her, you know, her Oscar nominations, her wins. Again, she has three altogether for Gaslight, Anastasia, and Murder on the Orient Express. So uh, you've seen two of those now. I've seen two of those now. We got one more to go, my man. Um <laughs> And I, and I, I like, you know, I want to echo what you said. I just want to, I want to keep pushing. I want to keep watching her stuff. She is remarkable. And she's going to keep coming up in this show because of course <laughs> she won for Gaslight. So let's, let's look a little bit at uh, the 17th Academy Awards, even though we didn't really, <clears throat> you know, go down that road too much uh, for 1944. Well, well, before we even get to the Academy Awards, are there any 1944 movies that you, want to shout out or are there any that you know of that you like um i've i'm a big fan of uh arsenic and old lace okay i like it i've never seen it so let me hear about that one arsenic and old lace is a film that has such a crazy premise i cannot believe they got away with it in the Hayes code so Cary grant plays this guy who falls in love goes home to his his aunts who raised him and tells them hey I'm in love. And while there finds out his aunts are serial killers and shit gets wackier from there. He starts thinking, Oh, I'm from crazy stock. So I'm going to lose my fucking mind and probably kill people too. This is 1944. I'm in, I'm in. And it is so Peter Laurie is in it. Karloff was supposed to be in it, but he had prior engagements. So they hired a lookalike to play like a guy who kind of looks like Karloff. And they constantly say, you know, you kind of look like uh, what's his name. And they never quite get there. It's it's really funny and it's so weird, but you're like once you see it, you're never gonna stop thinking about it. It's one of those. Movies. No, man, I am I'm so in. I 
you you kind of sold me early on in that synopsis, uh, <laughs> especially for <clears throat> we're talking about 1944. Jeez, Louise. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's, it doesn't sound real, but I assure you, it's very real. <laughs> Jesus, man. Well, <laughs> have you seen uh, "Going My Way," the Best Picture have, winner from this year? I have not. Um, neither, neither have I. Apparently, it's the you know, well, not apparently, it is the um, first movie ahead of uh, the Bells of St. Mary's. Like Bing Crosby, he's the only person to be nominated for the same character, or is he the first one? He's the first one. Um, back then, you know, sequels were very rare until like yeah. the 70s. Sequels actually was for some reason it was uh, actors considered it taboo to play the same character twice. It was like a bad luck thing or something. But uh, yeah, Bing Crosby became the first actor to be nominated for playing the same character nobody's ever won two oscars for the same character that's never happened yeah but uh you know brando and de niro for don corleone <laughs> keith ledger and watch course joker so it has happened before just this was the first time yeah you got the same actor playing the same character winning once nominated that's pretty crazy you know yeah i think i swapped it i i did same character different actor my mistake no no i think that's actually that'd be a really fun just discussion you know to just get to get a list of those maybe we'll do that one day proper uh it's a lot of fun yeah of course going my way is something i I definitely want to see now it's already been on my my list because it's a winner uh of these other films that are on here because gaslight has seven nominations altogether i i don't really see if we need to go through all of them because we haven't seen all the other ones we don't really have an opinion but I do, I do want to know which one of these or which ones of these you want to see. Um, a film that's been on my list for a long time is Double Indemnity. Uh, that's yes. considered like a, you know, one of the definitive film noir uh, classics. And I would love to check that out. Um, Wilson, I feel like I'd like to see a biopic of uh, President Woodrow Wilson. I'd like to see exactly how truth like truthful they are about that um hitchcock's lifeboat love to see that um laura that was one of vincent price's early films i'd love to check that out so there's a lot in this uh this awards that i think is worth checking out i i need to know what's going on in that best actress group with mr skeffington and mrs parkington (laughs) you know i need to know what's going on with them too (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think it's weird that Barry Fitzgerald was up for best actor and best supporting actor for the same character. I don't know what the hell happened there. So weird. Yeah, actually I'm seeing that now. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen that before. I don't think it's ever happened before. And I'm pretty sure they were How about that. Yeah, that's fucking crazy. There's got to be a story behind that. Looks like we got to dig into that whenever we do Going My Way for a uh, Best Picture Showdown, which this year we could do real easy because it's just five movies. Uh, Going My Way one. Uh, you mentioned Double Indemnity. That's uh, that's Billy Wilder. So yeah, we gotta mm-hmm. gotta check that out one day. Gaslight. Since you went away and Wilson. Uh, Since you went away. That's David Selznick. Uh, who's in that? Claudette Colbert, Jennifer Jones, jo- Okay, Joseph Cotton. I- <laughs> I'm glad he got. I, I'm glad he was brought up. This guy, this guy's underrated as hell. Now, this this is the dude who plays Jedediah Leland in Citizen Kane, ah. and he's all he's also incredible in Gaslight. This guy's awesome. What's his name? Uh, I had it written down here. Uh, 
Brian Cameron. Yeah. Brian Cameron is a great character. And I, I've been sort of kind of, you know, taken aback by him as he's not, he's never been nominated for an Oscar or never was. Of course he's, you know, was working way back 80 years ago. Those are the guys that I feel like if I were alive at that time, I feel like those are the guys that kind of hold on to like, yeah, (laughs) fucking, you know, you know, Joseph Cotton, baby. Like that guy's in all of these important movies, all these really cool movies. And he's always, he always brings it and uh, just doesn't get the recognition, I guess. And I like guys like that. As long as there has been film, there have been character actors and they have been underappreciated. And that has never changed. (laughs) No, no, never will. Yeah. Joseph Cotton. Glad he, glad he got brought up. And now I definitely want to see that movie uh, since you went away. There he is right there on the poster. Um, (laughs) Billy Wilder. I, I brought him up a second ago. (laughs) yeah he's not just uh you know this guy is decorated as an understatement so i think i I don't even know i kind of want to know your opinion on this i don't even know how we would go about covering his work as far as the oscars go because he has i believe six wins or some shit um yeah six wins altogether and just a just oozes nominations. Do you take him decade by decade? You take him film by film. I think we've already started with the apartment. I think, you know, we go to Sunset Boulevard, we go to Some Like It Hot, we go to Sabrina, and we just work our way down. We work our yeah. way across. That's how we do we all these guys. You know, we can't, we can't necessarily do a, uh, you know, Billy Wilder episode, but he's always going to come up within these episodes. And, and that, that's, like you said, that's just kind of something that this show has figured out over time is that it'll just kind of live and breathe. And when they come, come back up, they come back up. And I really like that. Uh, some like it hot. Of course, that's, that's something we got to do on this show. Sabrina. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, he's going to be a guy. I'm, I'm just uber excited because he will, he will come up even more than a, a guy like G- George Cukor. Uh, he's going to come up even more. He's just everywhere at the beginning of the Oscars. Um, yeah, I think I think that's probably I think that's probably the film. I think that's the one you and I both want to see. So, if we weren't doing Going My Way, I think I think that's the one we we both have our eye on. At least at least right now, um, I, I kind of want to go down to the bottom here. You never know what you're going to find. <laughs> Let's see. Best original motion picture story. Da, 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 da. Okay, look at best scoring. <laughs> How is how is it special if you give every movie that came out a, a nomination? Because <laughs> that's One, insane. Two, <laughs> five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. You got twenty nominations for best scoring of a dramatic or comedy picture. That's insane. That is crazy. <sighs> that's a participation yeah. <clears throat> trophy. I mean, Look, there's got to be a movie in there that's awesome. You know what I mean? And then we, but which one is it? I have no fucking clue. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't believe that all of that gaslight's not up for score. Okay, yeah. Uh, 100%. I, I, I don't get this at all. Best song. Holy shit, there was like 15 songs. This was, you know, the 40s. This was the age of the musical. Musicals were the big epics of the time. And I'm so glad they're not anymore. <laughs> I mean, I don't have God. an issue with musicals, but when it's every movie, that's going to get annoying really fast. 
<laughs> yeah, no oh. kidding. Jeez, man. This, it's, it's really kind of daunting. This is, what I, this is kind of what I was talking about. When you look at all of that, you're like, how the fuck am I supposed to watch all of that? You gotta make the <laughs> you gotta make the to do list shorter, yes. so you can so you can actually get it done. <laughs> that and like most of these films either don't exist anymore or are impossible to get a hold of. So like getting these is already a pain in the ass, and you multiply that by twenty, and you're just gonna like in the week frame we have, impossible. <laughs> it, it ain't it ain't happening, and that that's something we can always talk about with this show because of the kind of ever-changing landscape with the categories it's it's undoubtedly to me it's five per you know yeah i don't really see i don't really see another way um animated if you want to make it to three that's fine with me uh if you want to if you want to push it down to i think i think the smaller the group the better the the exclusivity the um the more competitiveness you have within. Yeah. I, I think is good. I think it's good. Yeah. I don't like that. They're trying to fill space. It's, it's terrible. That's how you end up with, you know, a best picture nomination for, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> it's yeah. There's, there's so many examples of like movies that just probably shouldn't be there, you know, and that's because there's nine movies. And if you think about, and this is not just an Oscar conversation. I think this can go to just like as a film fan in general. I think if you just laid out all of the movies you've seen in a given year, how, how many years are you like, oh my God, there's nine masterpieces. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. not, it's just not true. It's not true. And as you look back, some years you're like, oh, there's only like four. You know, there, there's only really, for some fans, oh, there's only a couple for me. And I think limiting it and making it more realistic, you know, for, if the award show reflects our minds and kind of how we think of, you know, the pantheon of movies, I think that'd be really cool. And I like, I like when the category is five. <laughs> yeah. I, think it, I think it makes the most sense because you might have five masterpieces in a year, but I, I just don't think it's going to happen. I think it's rare. Um, I think even years that I'm like biased to it's just cause my, my palate is, <laughs> is huge. It's just cause I, I, I kind of take in everything. Not everyone's going to love 1948. I just, I, I really like those kinds of movies because I like all kinds of shit. So, but I also understand that not everybody's going to get down with Johnny Belinda. Not everybody's going to get down with the red shoes. Not everybody's going to get down with Sierra Madre, but I, I, I just, I kind of like all of that stuff, all those kinds of movies. And I think it can happen. Right. And I think if you limit, say Bohemian Rhapsody, you take that year, you know, you specifically look at the films of 2018 and you just cut it to five. You just simply make those cuts. And now this group is even stronger. I don't see what's wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just judging from the films that were nominated, the five, in my opinion, could be A Star is Born, Roma, The Favorite, Black Klansman, Vice. And you give Best Picture to Vice, in my opinion. That's a good What do you leave? What are you leaving out? I can't. I'm leaving can't. out um, 
Green Book, Black Panther, and Bohemian Rhapsody. That's exactly what I would do. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what I would do. Vice and Roma. Roma is what I would give the win, but I, I, I totally understand the, the Vice call. I think Vice is already like pretty underrated. It's kind of annoying. Uh, another movie I would love to do on the show so we could clear that shit up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I really do think you and I have a kind of a, a respect for it. And people have already forgotten that it might be the most impressive thing Christian Bale's ever done. <laughs> <laughs> he yeah. became he became a very very scary real person so that was cool uh yeah no i, I love that that uh, that conversation that idea is is kind of also what we do here and what this show kind of just lends itself to is is the oscars what are they to us what, what do we want them to be you know what's stopping us from having a conversation right now about what what categories do we exactly want and i think you and i we're on the same page on most of these things. I think we both also want um, more recognition for, uh, you know, of course, everybody wants the stunt. We need, we need a stunt category. I, I think you and I want, you know, precise, you know, clean categories that make sense. I think the name of the uh, like best foreign language film being changed to what is it now? Best international all that stuff, whatever. I guess they can keep doing that. But back in these years that we're talking about, you know, we're talking about the 17th Academy Awards. I really don't like all of the breaking up of, you know, black and white in color and here and there. I think it puts something in people's minds that, oh, these color movies are, these are, these are for me. These are the ones that are, you know, in the black and white, we'll leave them. And that sucks. You know, I, that really hurts. <laughs> that really hurts. I, I think even if a film wins best picture uh, and it's black and white, like in this case, going my way, I just think it doesn't help that there's two categories representing the black and white films and the color films. Like they're like, what are, what are we doing? Like they're not on equal playing field. That doesn't make any sense to me. Well, at the time, you know, color film is still fairly new. I think a lot of people thought it was going to be a fad. And I think that, you know, they weren't sure where this was going to go. All of this was still fairly new technology. So I get why they were having difficulty combining it all. And uh, it did take a while, but thankfully they did wise up eventually. But, you know, we look at the way these things are made and the Oscar categories really do reflect just how unprepared Hollywood kind of was for this, like this, just everything they had to deal with. They, I feel like they didn't have a place for all this stuff because they didn't know what they were doing, really. The Oscars, are, ma- I think, were made on the fly because Louis B. Mayer said, just shut the fuck up and I'll give you an award. Yeah, <laughs> w- w- which is why you see 20 people up for music, yeah. yeah. It took a while for the Oscars to, I think, become something. So that's what I got. Yeah, which is another reason that Ingrid Bergman uh, a figure, an individual like Ingrid, who consistently was nominated and won three times, I think is important to the growth of, you know, what we see the Oscars, what, what they are and what they've become. And like, like you said, as they were made on the fly, she's one of those people who kind of mended it as it was going. And Gaslight's a part of that, you know, and all of her performances are a part of that. But I love that Gaslight's the first one. And that 
we are able to kind of see that and see the bigger picture and have this conversation now of, you know, new and old and kind of figuring out, okay, well, the Oscars are still figuring out stuff on the fly. Holy shit. They're still making all these moves. There's nothing. I think that's what a lot of people have problems with, with the Oscars and watching it every year is they don't know exactly what it is. They can't, it's not a set in stone thing that is like, this is what I'm going to. It's not like the Super Bowl where you know what you're going to get every year. You're going to get this football game and all these commercials and this big, you know, huge halftime show with the Oscars. You don't, you, you don't know. It's not set in stone. It's not the same categories. You don't know. They change the rules. They do this. They do that. They're not fair to certain people. Some people go on strike against it. You know, like it's had all these crazy controversies and issues. And I, I, I wish, <laughs> and I love that the, this, this, this show has gone, gone here is we want it to be really cool. We want it to be good. And I think aspects of it are good. No doubt. We would not be doing the show if we didn't think that there's good things about it. 100%. And there's been movies that I adore that have won the grand prize. But I, I, I desire always, even now, I desire for this show to be reflective of all of us, you know, real movie fans that are really going out and seeing everything. And, you know, I don't think we've ever quite seen that, but we can dream, can't we? Well, here's the thing. So you mentioned the Oscars constantly changing. The, they change the rules. They're not inclusive sometimes. They're inclusive other times. To me, that directly reflects Hollywood. It directly yes. reflects the entertainment industry constantly evolving, stepping back, stepping forward, never knowing exactly what they are and what they want. Yep. So the Oscars are, I think, adapting to that the best way they can in their own world. They don't, you know, they don't, just like Hollywood doesn't always know what we want, the Oscars doesn't know what we want. So they do what they can. And I think that, you know, the relationship between the Oscars and Hollywood is weird. It's confusing and doesn't really make sense unless you're in that world. But we're always going to be on the outside looking in. So we're doing the best we can with this constantly evolving creature that is the Academy Awards. So, yeah, <laughs> for sure. No, I, that's really, really well put. And I think you nailed a few things there. I think, I, I think that's completely reflective of Hollywood for sure. Like the, like it ever changing, always evolving. And quite frankly, the changes right now that we're seeing within the Academy are good. You know, yeah. I, I, I believe that, the next, you know, five years are going to see, we're going to see with it within the, you know, award season and those, those types of films, we're going to see cool stuff happening. I think we're going to see some changes that I think are good. I, but for the show, the ceremony and that three hour gap where people are supposed to sit down on Sunday and watch these people go on stage and accept a gold statue because they did something really cool on a movie screen to get people to watch that you and I are going to watch it no matter what we we're in, we watch these movies, no matter what, you know, we, we when parasite won, all of those, those nominees, we, we kind of saw them before they became nominees. You know, we just kind of were seeing them anyway. That's, that's kind of where our minds are going to be at, but to get people just interested in the show, I think, I think people do need to know, sort of the structure of like, well, what is this exactly? 
are y'all going to have a host? Are y'all going to do this? Are you going to do that? Like it's never, and it, it will reflect Hollywood and how it's always changing and how, how the movie industry should be changing. But I think the ceremony as a, as a show, as a piece of entertainment, I think they need to really look at themselves in the mirror and be like, Hey, well, how can we make this maybe a little shorter? Maybe we make this two and a half hours. Maybe we really commit to that. Maybe we cut this and that. Maybe we make less, you know, nominations. Maybe I, I'd be open to those things. I, I think the show has work to do in, in meeting people where they're at, if that makes sense. Well, I think, uh, that, and, and I think that's about the categories and about inclusion. Yeah. And, I, and I think that's coming. I think that inclusion is, is coming. Um, I think they're going to be making changes. And I think in the past few years, we've seen some here and there, we've seen some really cool stuff happen. Uh, with inclusion but it's you know we, we want more we want more and, and fans want more uh you know shout out to more different genres and I, you, you and i are we we want this show to be cool because we're gonna watch it anyway <laughs> yeah i think with the oscars um there's gonna be you know there's movie people and then there's not movie people and to get not movie people to watch the oscars is pretty much going to be impossible at this point you either care or you don't yeah, so I don't, yeah, but a lot of movie people say "fuck the Oscars." Yeah, and there's a re- you know that's because at its core, what the Oscars have always been is Hollywood jerking itself off on TV. That's what it's really yeah. been since the beginning. Yeah. So I'm okay with that. I get it. I appreciate the awards because to me they do matter, but not a lot of people are ever going to see that. And I think the Oscars could appeal to wider people. I think they could cut some musical numbers. I think they could cut the cutesy shit, which they have been doing, thankfully, without the host. I think not having a host is the smartest thing they've done in years. And, you know, I don't give a shit about watching Ellen get everybody pizza. Like, come on, really? Yeah, yeah, taking selfies, yeah. Yeah. Cut that shit out. I think, you know, just make it a streamlined awards. And I think because of COVID, that's what we're going to get this year. Is just one after another. It might be an hour and a half show. <laughs> it could be. And I like that. But at the same time, I know that the Oscars has its established audience and it's very tough for them to ever get new people. And it's just, you know, it's a show that's always going to be bought and paid for. I don't ever see the Oscars getting canceled. There's too much A game there. So I don't think it's in any danger, but I don't think anybody new is going to be flocking to it regardless of what they do. Yeah. Ah. I, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. And, you know, like we have some people really the rest of our film guys and team, they, they don't, you know, our team doesn't, doesn't really care for the Oscars for the Academy. Yeah. And, and I think that's most movie fans. I think most movie buffs are just like, I just want to watch it all. I don't care who cares if it won an award. I want to, I want to know if it's good. Yeah. Um, and I, I agree. I don't just watch Academy. <laughs> I, I, I watch, I watch a lot, a lot of random, random things. I watch new things. I watch, I watch a lot of cartoons, you know, but I, I see the Oscars. Yes. As, as largely bullshit, but we've said this before. It's a, it's a room of people who are in the movie industry that I watch all year. I watch their work. I watch them on the screen. I pay $10 to go see them every year. And they're all in the same room in suits and shit and dresses. 
and they're accepting awards and you got stuff like there will be blood and no country for old men going head to head in a giant auditorium for three hours. I'm in, I'm in for that. I love sports. I'm in. So like my nature is like, it's cool to me to be like this group of people sees this as better than this. I think that's fun as shit. (laughs) I like doing that. I like ranking things. I like, I like listening to people rank things. You and Josh ranked some, some horror films over on Filmgasm during your mummy episode. Uh, There were four movies that you guys ranked and I love hearing that discussion. And so the Oscars are super interesting to me because it's just kind of like organizing movies in a way. Yeah. And it's documenting it and it's putting all these people that are like, for, for a lack of a better term, my heroes all in the same room. Um, I mean, Tarantino was smiling and clapping and gave a standing ovation to Bong Joon-ho. Like, I like that. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't, I'm willing to put any, any and everything aside about how, oh, Hereditary should have been up for 10 Oscars because I think it's one of the best movies of 2018. That's what I think. But that's not what the Academy thought. So what? So what? What did they think? Oh, they thought Mining the Gap was one of the best documentaries of the year. Shit, they were right. Uh, you know, they thought Roma was one of the best movies of the year. Shit, they were right. <laughs> they, don't th- they thought Alfonso Cuaron was the best director. They were right. <laughs> and... I like that, you know? I like when you're upset over something. I like being excited over something. When Olivia Coleman got her award, I was like tearing up because I was so happy. When Regina King won her award, when Mahershala Lee won his back-to-back shit, you know? I love that stuff. I like seeing these people succeed and being on stage and being highlighted. I like I love it. I can't look past that. But I know that the people behind the scenes you brought up Mr. Mayor. These are not cool people. I know this. We're not stupid. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is just, you and I are very much, we kind of geek out over the sight of these people being together and talking about movies. <laughs> and, and, and not to mention, again, some of my favorite films of all time have been nominated. So I, I just, I like that. I think that's cool. It's fun to kind of just document stuff, look at stuff, compare, rank, contrast be like oh how the fuck was humphrey bogart not nominated for treasure of the sierra madre as dobbs what the fuck you know how did crash beat Brokeback mountain you know how was do the right thing not up i love all those conversations so i'm just down for it no matter what you know yeah and i i i think there i think there are people who are willing to get there i i i think but i think but i know you're right we've seen it with the numbers they've 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 gone down for sure over the years the the viewers for the oscars but but there's gonna be that kind of base audience who's like oh i'm gonna tune in on sunday night you know whatever yeah. whether it whether it get down and kind of plateau to 20 million people or so it's it's just gonna happen i think and i think those people are gonna stay stick around but it used to be used to be a big deal used to be a big show used to be a show a lot of a lot of people watched yeah for me, it still is. It comes down from the biggest thing. I think why I adore the Oscars really comes down to my love of history. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Organizing, documenting. Yeah. yeah. The phrase Academy Award winner 
or Academy Award nominee still means something. It's something that you would, is attached to your name till the day you die. And after, well, actually long after you die, if that's, if you are nominated, this is an incredible honor. It cements these people's uh, legacy in movie history. I'm, you know, we're going back to 1944 right now and talking about Academy Award winner Ingrid Bergman because the film and her were up for an Oscar. And this, yes. is, this matters to me. This shows me the evolution of Hollywood and how it's gone from wings to parasite. And I love picking a year and finding out why was this year important? Why was this year important in Oscar history? What can I look at in this award show and find something cool? And that's what I've always done with this. And every Oscars, I always think, you know, what is the next film that's going to be a part of Oscar history? And that's all there is to it for me. It's legacy and it's history and it's the fucking best. And I will always defend the Oscars because of that. Yes. Ah, well said, brother. <laughs> well said. I, yeah. Uh, at this point, I don't think we even need to defend them. They're, the films that we've seen speak for themselves. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, you and I were, we were texting right at the beginning of, of, of 2021 here, right at the beginning of the month. And we started Oscar Sunday uh, in June of 2020. And we did Pulp Fiction was our first episode. And, you know, this is episode 33. You know, we haven't missed a week yet. We've been kind of chugging along and having a lot of fun. And, you know, that's, you know, about, about half a year, right, that we've been doing this show. So you and I kind of like looked back and saw all the movies that we've seen for the first time through this show alone. You know, of course, on Filmgasm, we'll, we'll get that really cool genre film that we haven't seen occasionally. And we'll get to just dive into it and be like, wow, this is actually really cool. And I, I love that. It, like The Brood, 1979, Cronenberg. You and I wanted to see that. We finally got to see it. We, we, we love digging into that, that weird Cronenberg shit. And that was so much fun. I, that was a great feeling. Yeah. And on this show, <clears throat> just through those, you know, six, seven months, we've both seen over 40 movies for the first time through the show. Uh, whether it be the actual episode, like five easy pieces or gaslight or in the bedroom. Uh, or for me, the great dictator I hadn't seen that, you know, and this is, this is the point. And then we latch on movies. Like when we did 1948, we, we both watched five movies. We've never seen when we did the Hamlet episode. And we're just kind of tacking them on, tacking them on and having a lot of fun. And then when we look back, whoa, look at all of this stuff ranging from wings, like you said, from the 20s to um, I, I hadn't seen In the Bedroom or Grosford Park. You know, those are 2001, it's, you know, 75 years of film of, you know, ranging of stuff I hadn't seen. And a few movies that are immediately some of my favorites uh, in Treasure of the Sierra Madre and Elmer Gantry. Like those two movies have, I can't stop talking about them still. I've brought up Treasure of the Sierra Madre so many times on this show <laughs> and I won't ever stop. It's the show gave that movie to me 
you know? Uh, and I, I, I'm really grateful for that. And it's of course, because of the show, but it's because of the Oscar. Cause that's what the show is. And I think it's really funny that we both have this, you know, sort of mixed relationship with the Oscars. We know what they are. We know they're kind of, they're kind of bullshit and we know they're slimy and Hollywoody and, but so is Hollywood. <laughs> ex- exactly. But we also, also really dig it. And we have this, we have the show <laughs> Oscar Sunday where we're, we're always going to be open about that, about our journey with, with the Academy. Yeah. I, I really, really like that. Um, and I, we're going to keep, we're going to keep it moving, man. I mean, already, you know, already gaslight tack it on for the 2021 movies that we've seen through this show. <laughs> um, before we get to give out awards and really, really talk about gaslight. Let's, uh, Let's take let's take a, another look at, at Ingrid Bergman. Um, this is a, a woman who clearly just inspired a huge conversation, <laughs> as she is this massive figure in, in in the Academy. And we we're talking about you know categories, and I think she just kind of is one of those people in your mind. Your mind goes a million places because she's like we've said millions, millions of times already is that she's, she's at the forefront of the beginning stages of what the Academy is figuring out what they're becoming on the fly. Um, I really, really hope we get to bring her back up soon. She's not, she's not someone I want to wait for. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I want to, I want to come back. I want to come back soon. Uh, next week's episode is someone that we feel similarly about. Uh, (laughs) cannot wait for that. But yeah, I just, I, I think she is Ingrid, Ingrid Bergman without, without seeing a ton of her work, I'll say she is one of the most intriguing actresses I've watched where I've seen just a few films and I'm, I immediately already know that I need to see the rest of the filmography. And there's not a lot of people who can do that. You know, maybe, maybe Leo did that to me as a kid, you know, when I was younger, when I was like, Whoa, when I saw, you know, blood diamond and the departed and you're just like i need to see everything he's ever done yeah you know but now as a grown adult ingrid really broke me down and made me feel that way because of her performance in gaslight awesome man yeah that's uh it's exactly the way i felt about burt lancaster when i watched elmer gantry no kidding (laughs) jesus christ not airport but but uh elmer gantry yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh so good uh since we since we also didn't go through uh the 17th academy awards proper this time because we just didn't watch 1944 movies uh let's let's just run down what gaslight was nominated for uh you have best cinematography for black and white films best screenplay best actress in a supporting role angela lansbury shout out to beauty and the beast (laughs) uh best actor in a lead role charles boyer and best picture. And then of course the wins best art direction and Ingrid Bergman for best actress in the lead role. So you, you got a got a really interesting slew of stuff there. Um, in any other episode, we normally would have watched some movies that would be able to like, we'd be able to kind of see what we think against that. Yeah. But this is more about Ingrid. Uh, and, and I'm kind of glad it went that way. And that we just had that discussion about, about kind of where we're at with the Oscars. And I think it's important to kind of check back in every now and again and, you know, reflect. Yeah. And going forward, you know, we're going to be focusing more on the film at hand 
And also, yes. you know, when we go back to the 40s, there's not we still have a lot more homework to do. So there's not a lot of discussion to be had on that front. But as the show progresses and as we progress, there will be more of that discussion in the future. You know, when Indeed. we come back to 44 next time, we might have, you know, another six, seven films under our belt that we can bring up. But until that time, you know, we, we will we'll settle for just the one film. Yeah, exactly. That's what we can bring to the table. Not going to act like I know everything about Ingrid. I've only seen a handful. And uh, I, I want to keep that moving. I want it to be multiple handfuls. Angela Lansbury, how about this? She was, let's see, this is uh, 1944. So Angela Lansbury, she must have been, Jesus, how old? Um, she, was she was 17 born. when they started. Yeah, she, yeah, born in 1925. Yeah, jeez Louise. Yeah. About halfway through filming, she turned 18. They had a whole party for her because they could finally shoot this scene where she smokes a cigarette. <laughs> so perfect. She, she's, a, she's another honorary Academy Award winner um, in 2014. She's been nominated three times for Gaslight, The Picture of Dorian Gray, and The Manchurian Candidate. Mm. So yeah, pretty, pretty nice career. And then of course, yeah, Beauty and the Beast. Uh, I think I gave her the PSH, didn't I? You did, yeah. Who'd, who'd you give it to? The Beast? Yeah. What's his name? Uh, what's his name? Fuck. <laughs> That's going to kill me. Let me look, let me look that up because that was episode 26, I believe. Um, yeah. Beauty and the Beast, 1991. Robbie Benson. Yeah, Robbie Benson. Pedro Hare, Robbie Benson. Yep. Yeah, yeah, which, which I'm totally okay with. He, he kind of like runs the movie there kind of in changes. <clears throat> but Angela Lansbury is just stunning. Awesome singing voice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, the, the, the awards we have here. I battled with these awards pretty much until we were about to record. <laughs> and it was, it, it was one specific award. So when we get there, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, I, I really battled. And I'm really curious to know what, what, what you got here. Um, thank you guys for being with us. If you if you've gotten this far, <laughs> if this is your first time, these are the awards we give out every movie that we do. Uh, this, this is our, this is our favorite segment of the show. We give out our own four awards to every film that we're spotlighting. In this case, it's Gaslight. So we have our Tarantino Award for best, you know, best quote, best line. We have our Ennio Morricone Award for best music moment. We have our Philip Seymour Hoffman Award for best performance in the movie. And then we have our Roger Deakins Award for the best scene or best moment. So Connor, take it away with your Tarantino. So my Tarantino uh, comes at a, the scene where uh, Paula and her husband go to the Tower of London to check out some jewels and uh, she loses the brooch. Ah. And she also like connects eyes with somebody in the park and her husband just straight up says, are you becoming suspicious as well as absent-minded, Paula? It's such a cold thing to say. And it kind of sets up exactly the way the audience is supposed to be feeling towards the guy. Because, you know, at first you think like, oh, he's, you know, he's a sweet guy. They love each other. But the more they, the relationship develops, the more the guy seems very sinister. And I love that line because it really does, you know, it, defend, it, it defines gaslighting at its, at its peak. You know, you're already crazy. Are you now suspicious? Huh? You got to work on that. Like, that's Oof. fucked up. So, yeah, that was my that was my Tarantino. Extremely, yeah, it definitely 
if you were to pick a quote for Charles Boyer's character, that would be the one that kind of represents him for sure. That's a, that's a great call. Um, this one's tough. I usually, you know, we've obviously used IMDb out the wazoo for the show and for all of our shows. Uh, it's just a great reference point on the IMDb page for gaslight. There's not a lot of, uh, not a lot of quotes there because I usually will, I'll usually tag back around to that one to see. Oh, in this case, there's not a lot there. Um, but I, I remembered a line that, that comes from, of course, Joseph Cotton as Brian Cameron. I remember the line. So I went back and, and, and kind of rewound it to this moment uh, in the film because it's, it's a little later on. So it was very easy to get back to, but it's a, uh, yeah, it's Joseph Cotton delivering a line as Brian Cameron to, to Bauer. <laughs> and he says, the jewels and justice. How does it feel Bauer to have planned and killed for tortured and tortured for something. And then, to know that it's for nothing. Ah, <laughs> yes. So good. I, I love when a, you know, a character is like, I got the best of you. Um, and Bauer, Bauer's response is really cool too. He was like, for nothing? <laughs> you know, and I, I love when two guys are kind of going toe to toe and they finally meet. You know, they're going toe to toe. They don't quite know it. You know, haven't seen each other playing kind of a cat and mouse game. And I really like when they finally meet. And that's, that's a fun moment right there. Yeah, it is interesting to finally know who our hero is. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Joseph Cotton, baby. <laughs> Jed- Jedediah Leland. <laughs> he, he had my, he had my uh, Tarantino in Citizen Kane as well. Mr. Joseph Cotton. Yeah, I really like that guy. Yeah, he's cool. He's like getting constant cameo appearances on our show. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's one of those, you know, underdogs. <laughs> Hell yeah. Alrighty, we got the Enyo Award. This would be the best music moment. Like we, we both said, we think the music's a little underrated in this one. It uh, didn't get a nomination somehow out of the 20. Uh, what did you pick for your Enyo Morricone Award? So the score for me is what almost makes this film a horror movie. The score yes. is immensely creepy, like overly creepy. And there's a scene, uh, there's a bit of the score that gave me chills. And it's when it's such a brief moment too. It's the night of the big party and Paula is coming down the stairs in her flowing white gown, just that bit. And the music is so ethereal and foreboding. And you just know something bad's about to happen. You just don't know when it's going to happen. And admittedly, it really doesn't happen. It kind of leaves you hanging, but the buildup is so good. Oh man. Great pick. I love that. I, I feel similarly to, uh, there's been some stuff I've, I feel like I feel that same way. Like when we did, um, R- rush on, there was like a slight part of the score that I couldn't even put my, you know, put my finger on really it's just a moment. And when you feel it, you feel it. And that's what this award's kind of about. It's not about an entire, you know, four minute song or something. It's about, it can be about a split second, even can be just a sound yeah I, I i love that that's that's you know that's and yo that's what he would want you know that's what he was about the guy the guy knew how to just slice your ears with just two seconds that's all he needed so that's all that's all this award needs sometimes i i love that call i definitely remember that moment um it has a few of those where you're like the hell am i watching you know yeah it feels like you know the the, the other shoe could drop at any moment it's that kind of movie 
Yeah. And, and when you have Ingrid Bergman, who is kind of just lost and totally selling it, and Charles Boyer totally selling this evil fucking, you know, manipulative character, it, it, it's, it works. It works so well together. Dude, I had so many flashbacks to the snake pit with this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, oh, I love yep. how all this shit connects for us. It's just, it's great. Yeah, I I totally <laughs> totally saw that. Oh man, um, that's just yeah, four years apart. So yeah, you, you gotta love the forties, man. <laughs> uh, the the Inyo for me goes to um, the, the uh, piece of score when we see the mountain of light, the diamond, and that is uh, oh man, that's a powerful <laughs> that's a that's a powerful moment. You know, Charles Boyer's voice again, just kind of with the music increasing and it, it, it got loud to the point where, you know, I, I even, I usually have the remote in my hand, you know, I'm ready to go. Like if I need to pause it or turn it down a little bit, cause I got a two-year-old that's sleeping. Uh, and then that moment I had to kind of turn it down a little bit. And I, I love when that happens. <laughs> I love when that happens. That means, you know, it's, it's, it's heightening, it's getting intense. And I like when something that just, in a film is you know is shown is revealed and here it is and people are just kind of taken aback by it i like that reaction seeing that you know seeing that on camera and when music is kind of like you said thriller horror kind of whoa kind of psychological horror going on that's a really interesting pairing uh similarly to like the white dress i think i think gaslight has some some symbolism that I'll catch even more of the second time I watch this. Cause I'm definitely going to watch gaslight again. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the whole score has these bits of, and pieces of just remarkable moments. And um, for me, that's the best kind of score, a score that's not all encompassing, but hits you at various points. And uh, yeah, gaslight's one of those for sure. I love it, man. Yeah. <laughs> God, so good. This is this is the uh, the award that's always always a lot of fun. You know, sometimes we agree spot on, and sometimes uh, we don't so much. The PSH, the Philip Seymour Hoffman Award. Um, boy, this is the one that I battle with all like all day. I was at work thinking about it, and I, I, you want to go first for me? What do you? <laughs> I'll 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 go first. Sure, take it away. Um, take it away, man. <laughs> so I too wrestled with this until the last fifteen minutes, and that's oh. when I knew Bergman had this. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Same. Same. And that 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 leads into my Deacons as well. Yeah. <laughs> we might have the same Deacons. <laughs> yep, I think I do. <laughs> go ahead, buddy. It's when Paula finally confronts her husband and gaslights him with the knife. Yes, 100%. I wrote down when she grabs knife, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. (laughs) So, so satisfying to see her go like, what, is there a knife or am I just crazy, you asshole? Like, just, it's, she's, all of it comes out and she's like, you ruined my life, you, like, you son of a bitch. I thought she was going to stab him. (laughs) Oh, I, I, I wanted her to kind of just cut him, you know, just fucking... Cut his forehead or something, yeah. Uh, Wolf, this finale is... uh, What I love about it is that it's not 
totally forgiving. It yeah. actually has her character not not just like escape or oh the guy got arrested and it's over. She actually gets to have that moment of like looking him in the eye, and that's when Ingrid Bergman's like, "Go ahead and give me that, give me that thing." You know, she has her Oscar moment and right there, and you know, if that film were more modern and you know they were doing the montage, that would be the montage scene for for, for Ingrid Bergman. It's uh, it's something I've heard about a couple times I've heard people talk about this particular moment in the movie, but I've always kind of tuned it out because I've never seen it. And now I know, and it's 100% the Deacons of this movie. I don't really see any other way. And it's why I gave the PSH to Ingrid as well. That's why she won. Um, and good on you, Charles Boyer for giving her that he, he, he's looking at her like, Whoa, <laughs> Whoa, you turned, you turned in, you know, you turned it into a whole, whole different animal. And I, I just, I love that moment. It's one of my favorite moments. It's one of my favorite Deacons moments that we've, we've gotten to cover here. Uh, it's one of my favorite finales I've seen in a while. Uh, we watch a lot of movies and sometimes the endings don't totally, totally land, but this was spot on. I, I was so happy with that moment, with that moment for, for Ingrid Bergman and, and just the use of the knife. And then when she tosses it, just her tone. Oh, have I lost it? I don't know. <laughs> you know, it, it was, it was, it was money. It was, it was awesome. I loved it so much. It's really hard for me to pass up justified revenge on, for my deacons. I did the same thing when we did the apartment and I was like, you know, when Jack Lemon finally confronted his boss over the, over the key, it's just, those moments are so goddamn satisfying that it's really hard to take anything else. And the gas, gaslight had that so well done. Just from the moment uh, Cameron shows up, like when uh, uh, Godfrey is like yeah, yelling yeah, yeah. at Paula, like, did you open my desk? Like, what man? There was no man. And Cameron's like, right here. <laughs> I'm the figment of your wife's imagination. Like from that moment on, it's just, it's just money. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. I think it definitely hits, hits like a pitch and it doesn't, it, it stays there for the rest of the film. And that's a lot, yeah, it's a lot having to do with, like you said, kind of knowing who our hero is in this moment and that Joseph Cotton's actually going to stick around, that this character, Brian Cameron's actually going to be here, actually going to see this, see the situation through and help her out. Uh, man, yeah, I was, I was pretty blown away by the ending. Uh, overall, I give the film an eight. I, I'm definitely going to watch it again. I, I, think, I think Bergman's giving a 10 out of 10 performance. I think Boyer is giving like a nine out of 10 performance. Um, overall, I, I, I don't think there's like a ton of amazing writing. Yeah. But hey, but hey, we are talking about 1944 here and it's just a completely different style. Yeah. And not, not every time is it going to totally click for me, but that's, that's not the point. This movie doesn't have to click just for me, you know? So I'm, I'm very glad with most aspects of this movie. It's fairly predictable. I mean, you know what's going to happen. You know he's bad. You know she's not crazy. You just don't know how and why. Which is what it's all about. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I was in this for the performances, and, you know, I was engaged. I give this an eight as well. Hell yeah. I mean, one of my favorite movies I've watched this year was uh, 1956, A Man Escaped. Uh, it's literally in the title. <laughs> <laughs> 
And that's what the movie's about. It's about a guy escaping. That's it, you know. <laughs> and it tells you before tells you before you even watch it. And I'm okay with that. It's about the journey. And Gaslight's definitely about the journey because I definitely did not know that that moment was going to happen with that knife when Inger Bergman was going to turn completely in. I didn't know that Charles Boyer was going to be that creepy the whole time. I didn't know he was going to heighten it. I didn't know he was going to be able to just scream at her out of nowhere. And that's when I was like, oh, man, this Boyer guy. <laughs> I, see what, I see what people are talking about. <laughs> yeah, uh, scream at her and then make her apologize to him. Yes. That's the crazy shit. Like, just from the moment they move into the house and he's like, give me the letter. Just immediately and then be like, sorry, I just didn't want you to get upset. What the fuck like red flags galore and she knows that but she's trapped and you know it's just yeah the build-up in this film is, is so well done yeah i agree man i'm definitely an advocate for this one i think i think it's a uh, an entertaining entertaining flick that a lot of people would enjoy even if they have no idea you know it, it really is in that that category of at this point, a hidden gem because I don't hear anybody really talking about it uh, just in, in general conversation. So, yeah, definitely, definitely recommend it. Um, like I said, this is on right now. It's on the Roku channel, like for free. And I believe on Tubi, I yeah. think that's it, though. And then and then and then it's available to rent for three ninety nine on Amazon. Uh, I just yeah, I think I think it's really solid. And if you are into the Oscar history Ingrid Bergman's performances, that alone is worth it. Absolutely, man. Yeah, well said. Uh, so what are we doing next week? Oh, man, next week. Next week's going to be a lot of fun. It's actually, we typically don't do this, but it's another film that we haven't seen yet. Uh, it's 1984's Places in the Heart. And that would be Sally Field's uh, second uh, Oscar win. Uh, she has three nominations altogether for Norma Ray, Places in the Heart, and Lincoln. Of course, we've talked about Norma Ray uh, a few times. Uh, it came out, came up a lot on that uh, episode 25 with Kramer vs. Kramer. It inspired us a lot. We really liked that movie, and we both were like, fuck it, let's check out the other one that Sally Fields has won and go ahead and do it for a, a show, a, an 80s show, and a little Sally Fields action. So you and I have some have some say on the 1984 uh, movies. Uh, we'll have, we'll have quite a bit more to say about that ceremony, but we're, you know, we're really honing in on Sally fields and uh, places in the heart. So come on back next week for episode 34. And uh, of course we got a best picture showdown coming up right after that one. Fantastic. Yeah. I'm excited to dig more into Sally field. I was very impressed with Hooray, and I can't wait to see what else she won for. Uh, this week on Filmgasm, we're doing a uh, fan-requested film, The Beast of War. Uh, check that out on Wednesday, and then, of course, sneak preview uh, tomorrow. Thanks for listening. <laughs> See you next Sunday. Mm-hmm.